Hello Canada and the rest of the world and welcome once again to the Netflix podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Netflix in Canada. I'm your host Dylan Clark Moore and today we're going to be talking about 2017's Gerald's Game. Before we get into things, I do want to issue a few warnings about this episode. First of all, Gerald's Game deals with a lot of potentially sensitive subject matter, including rape, childhood, sexual assault, and self-harm, all of which we'll be covering in this conversation. Uh, Second of all, this chat does contain plot information for the movie we'll be discussing, so please don't be mad if you hear spoilers. Also, we do keep an explicit tag on this show in case of language that may not be suitable for all listeners. If you're still with me, then thanks for holding on, and we'll get right into it. I'm thrilled to be talking with one of my favorite writers from the whole ass internet. You've seen her writing on Vanity Fair, Bustle, Glamour, Uprock, Sci-Fi, Fangirls, and Pajiba, just to name a few. Let's give a huge welcome to Courtney Enlow. Hello, everyone. Hello, Courtney. How the heck are you? I am wonderful. Courtney, I like to ask everybody a little icebreaker question just to get to know you as a person. Is there anything interesting that you've been watching on Netflix recently? So I have this thing where... If I get like a night to myself where there's no kids and I can watch anything I want, all of the new movies that I haven't seen yet and things like that, what I will do instead is just watch The Good Place or just watch like things I already own and that I just don't feel like going downstairs to get the DVD of. Right. That's pretty much what I do. So like this weekend I had the whole house to myself and I had things I had Gerald's game to watch and instead what I did was watch The Good Place again oh good good we just got that up here on uh, on Netflix so that was a big get for us well, don't Canada get... you are in for some goodness <laughs> all right well the movie that we're here to talk about this episode is from the year 2017 2017 how do we say that anyway from director Mike Flanagan we're gonna be talking about Gerald's game So let's introduce this movie the same way as the Netflix does. Uh, Netflix has two descriptions available. Courtney, you can feel free to to vote, I guess, on on which one you prefer. So the first description, when you hover over the title, it says, Lingerie and handcuffs were meant to spice up their weekend getaway. Instead, they surfaced a wife's darkest fears. That's accurate. That's not inaccurate. Yeah, it's, it's not among the worst we've seen. And when you click on the title, the description changes to when her husband's sex game goes wrong, Jessie, handcuffed to a bed in a remote lake house, faces warped visions, dark secrets, and a dire choice. So I'd say Netflix is bringing its A-game to these descriptions this time. Yeah, that's a good... I like the choice, I guess, is be in the bed or not the bed. It seems like a weird way to put that. (laughs) But I... I get. I get. I guess it works. And uh, the descriptive word that Netflix chooses for this movie is dark, which I am more than happy to agree with. I mean, I did not realize the level of dark that right? this film was going to be when right? I picked it. 
good <laughs> lord I it was only because you had told me that you hadn't seen it that I wasn't like a little worried about you I, after he picked this movie. Okay, I right off the bat did not know that a significant portion of this film dealt with childhood sexual trauma. Just didn't know. I just didn't know. Right. Um so why did you bring this movie to the table? What what about it? Was it just that it was like floating around your Netflix list for a while or or what made this one stands yeah, out as the one you wanted to bring. It popped up periodically. And I, I really like Carla Gugino and is it Gugino or Gugino? It's uh, neither, actually. I was I, looking up. Oh. I was looking up. It's Gugino. Gugino. So hard okay. G, then the soft Here's the G. thing. I'm Italian. I don't know how to say things in Italian <laughs> because my people speak English when they come here. I don't know. So, okay. um, But I love her. I love Bruce Greenwood. And I liked the idea of a movie where it was... Um, age-appropriate leads as a couple. Right. You never see that. Mm -hmm. Um, In any other movie, she would just be Jennifer Lawrence. Right. And I just, I liked that she wasn't. And also the idea of just the whole conceit of the movie where she is trapped in this location, unable to break free, just is my actual worst nightmare. Okay. And I just thought it looked very interesting and cool. Didn't know much beyond that. And yeah, that's that's why oh was I taken <laughs> down a real rabbit hole? Yeah, I didn't know really anything about this either. Like all I knew was like the basic gist, like the the gimmick of it, which is a man and a woman engaging in light BDSM, and the guy dies, and the wife is left trapped, handcuffed to a bed. And then dot 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 Stephen King style horror like that's all I knew. <laughs> dot 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 in. dog dog dog. <laughs> I didn't even I know, didn't about, know the dog. about the dog. I did not know about the dog. I see a dog in a movie and I assume like oh I hope nothing bad happens to this dog. This is the first movie I have ever seen where I was like I hope something bad happens to this dog. <laughs> Fuck this dog in particular. Fuck this dog. Fuck this hungry ass <laughs> dog. Although you don't start off that way, right? I mean, you feel bad for the dog. The dog, right off the bat, it lets you know that Bruce Greenwood, Gerald, I guess is his name, that, you know, Gerald's an asshole, right? You know, the, you've got the narrative shortcut of kicking the dog, and he comes pretty close that he, yeah. you know. He honks at the dog, and that's bad enough. Yeah, he honks at the but dog. He also, gets mad at her she's, for. She's too loving because she did give a straight up giant stake to this dog. I mean,. Yeah, sure. Okay. It was a Kobe steak. It's $200 a portion. But, like, you don't give a steak. <laughs> That's a lot of steak. <laughs> like, that was just very, that felt careless. That felt reckless. I realized that they're rich, but I was like, that's kind of a waste. So, so at that point, you felt like she was overdoing it, or maybe was she like, was just like. She's too much. He's too little. Or I... Their marriage clearly isn't going to work out. Yeah, I just felt like she was doing anything that she could, taking any sort of distraction to get, like, because she, she right away it seemed like she didn't want to be there at this weekend. She knew oh, yeah. something was coming that she wasn't really going to be into. And so she was like, oh, well, maybe if I make friends with this dog, you know, if I kind of disassociate, although we're going to get talk a lot more about disassociation yeah, later. Yeah, really. Um, that, you know, maybe maybe I can get through this weekend. Everything's going to be fine. But yeah. I mean, right off the hop, yeah, Gerald, Dick, Jesse, maybe not completely sure of she's, herself. She's definitely that. delicate. She's got some delicate tendencies to her. She is a gentle soul. There's also, this is a big um, 
This is an, an unanswered question for me, and it really goes to what I have as priorities. There was like a raspberry fruit tart in the fridge. Okay. And I would be, I was personally sad that like, oh, she didn't get to eat this. Like she goes through so much <laughs> and no one gets to eat this tart. No one gets to eat those steaks. Like, yes, that is not their purpose, but it would be my purpose. Like I would be very, they're very sad. Like, look, I'm starving to death, but like there's a tart like right there that I well, want to eat so bad. I mean, maybe the Moonlight Man got to eat. Them? Yeah, really. I hope someone ate it. Yeah, or maybe she like. Yeah, maybe he like le- left the fridge open and the dog yeah. got it or something. I don't know. I hope. Th- I'm sorry about your tarts. That's <laughs> really the most sorry. upsetting thing that happens sorry in this whole the- movie. Is <laughs> yeah, the it tarts. Really, it's not eating tarts. The only truly devastating thing in this movie, clearly. Absolutely. Yes. Um. So I mean, the movie is not shy right away and and uh you know letting you know that this is going to be a a quote-unquote fun sexy romp i mean you see carla gugino setting out her her slip that's going to get talked about so much and you see bruce greenwood packing his suitcase and putting the the handcuffs right on top oh so delicately you know this is really for him this is what this weekend is all about is the opportunity to to practice this kink and at first when they were getting when they were starting to play with it, I mean, you could see that she was maybe not all the way for it, but it also seemed like they were being kind of cool about it. Like they had clearly discussed this beforehand and uh, it was something that she was consenting to. And you're like, okay, well maybe she's just nervous about it. And it's not until they're actually engaging in the act that you see how utterly skeezy Bruce Greenwood has gotten about this. And that, the degree to which they're going to explore this fantasy is like they're not at all on the same page and he almost immediately becomes incredibly predatory and violent about it which she's absolutely not cool with yeah it's not even like it really takes a turn he's got that kind of layer to him throughout the first you know chunk of the movie that we see like he you can tell he's an asshole you can tell he's not really picking up on nonverbal cues Right. Like when they're driving and she turns off the music and says she just wants to enjoy the scenery and he starts moving his hand on her leg and it's like he's just not he doesn't care, clearly. Right. And then in this scene he just goes really far, really fast. Now, okay, this is getting ahead, but I'm glad that we learn later that he does not know her history because I once I like got kind of a sense of things like where things were going I was like oh that'd be really fucked up if he knew about what had happened in her life and still made these particular moves right yeah I mean they're bad I mean they are bad anyway like there is no you know but that would be worse right um yeah and yeah some of it makes more sense when you when you find out like she is particularly um and I'm not using this word casually like I I mean it genuinely in like a PTSD sort of sense like she's genuinely triggered when he tells her to call him daddy and like that's one of the big things that sets her off like why the fuck would you possibly call me that to the point that I was just kind of like what that's I mean there are more important (laughs) things going on right now that you need to get away from rather than just just him calling you that um, and then, you know, they, they calm down and or they sort of calm down. And there's a lot going on for both of them that she's clearly uncomfortable, but she like really wanted to make an effort. Um, and then he seems to be, I mean, like grossly predatory and like I'm not trying to 
I don't want to make it seem in any way like I'm apologizing for that, but he's also like very sexually frustrated, which, you know, he has, you get the sense that he's really weaponized in their relationship. Like he's made it her fault. And there's clearly a rift between these two people, but like, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Right. Like he feels like, Oh my God, like, fuck, like we were, you know, this was the whole plan. I, you know, I, I went through all these steps and, you know, you have that whole, like, I, I, uh, I filled my punch card <laughs> um, actually, it, for kinky I mean, sex and like, of, why am I not getting it? Yeah, it feels like, honestly, this is a very Me Too movie. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, this, you have this woman who is clearly uncomfortable. She, she, like, her position is very understandable. And then you have this man who has no idea that he's doing anything wrong. He is truly the victim. And it's it's actually like a very like symbolic moment or a, just a, a literal moment that a lot of people have been through. It just it feels very timely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that like this movie was has been in production for two years. Like it's not like it knew, right? That, um, but I guess it, if if nothing else, like the Me Too movement has given a lot of people the tools with which to talk about this and really have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, and I mean it's it's all it's all timely and that it's all this is just a lot of people's lives and now we're just talking about it. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting lens to view it through. Yeah. And then so I mean the, then they end up I guess he's reengaging, she's not into it at all and that's when, you know, the situation escalates and we get the first moment of true I'd say horror uh where the 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 husband is now an absolute predator and he's decided you know, he decides that he's going to have sex with her. He's going to rape her. Um, but he's convinced himself and rationalized it that, okay, no, we're just acting out the fantasy that you already agreed to. Um, and he, he, I guess, seems to tell himself that because he already had consent or because they're married, like there's not anything that's actually wrong with this. And he he's is just owed this, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like that, uh, uh, what's that app that's like super problematic? but also well-intentioned the one that have you heard about this one the the app that the idea is like it it uh creates a, a sexual contract between two people that like you cannot later say that you did not consent to sex because i you know, ah, I, I, have no, receipts. I have not heard of this you didn't hear about this yeah no. so i mean like it's these people who they were like oh well you know there's all these problems with like consent and you know people not having it clear that there's consent so let's find a way to make it clear that you have consent but it also ignores the fact that consent is absolutely something that can be repealed and oh my god yeah you said problematic app and i was like probably hq hq's got a lot of problems nope (laughs) did not know that was where you're going with it this is a a whole yeah (laughs) so here's why gerald's game is exactly like (laughs) hq yes um Yeah, so then, like, you're almost relieved when Gerald starts having his heart attack. You're like, yes, like, she's she's free from this, and she's, you know, fought back, and she's kicked him in the face, um, except now she's in this horrible, horrible place. And it and should she's... be, this movie it is, and I, I mean this in a good, I really liked this movie. There are a lot of, like, very unsubtle, um, you know, projected moments where you know things are coming like when they're in the car on the radio it's like there's been a break-in in all these cemeteries and you know they really focus on this dog so you know that's coming back and then he just is popping viagra 
like it's candy. Like he <laughs> takes at least two. And the one thing I know about Viagra is that your heart will just explode. So, I mean, like they made it very clear what is coming. Right. Oh, and the daddy thing too. That was very, so like you, the, you can't say this movie does not warn you at least. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it yeah, tells there's... you it tells you things are coming down the pike. You don't know what's coming down the pike, but it the movie lets you know. Yeah, for sure. So the movie does this interesting thing uh in letting you know what's going on inside of Jess's mind uh while she's trapped. Um because now she's she's in this situation that I mean like she she's handcuffed to both bedposts. There is literally no way that she can think of to get herself out of this situation and is it a few hours later like she does she fall asleep? Is that what it's five hours later, I believe like it's it's night is coming, and that's when it first starts right um so then she starts having this internal monologue that she externalizes in two different personalities one of which is her dead husband bruce greenwood who's kind of her uh all of her doubt all of her internalized self-loathing uh it all takes the form of of her husband who is you know such a a negative influence on her life and who victimized her and then she also has this uh cleaner version of herself who's more you know getting her focused and uh, trying to get her out of the situation and being more positive that, hey, you know, like, we have two options. We can either die here or we can figure out how to get out of here. And she's uh, very resourceful. Like, she... I want to have a secret, invisible Carla Gugino in my head <laughs> that just, like, tells me how to do things because there's stuff that, like, she knows things. She knows about you're going into shock. You're dehydrated. You can make a straw out of a tag. Like she, right. she's like a boy scout. Like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. And I mean, how did you feel about how the movie went about doing that? Because on the one hand, I, I, I actually, sorry, I'll let you answer first. Before no. I... <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked it. And now the, I mean, it was necessary to the, to the narrative, but the version of herself was so, um, like on top of things that it actually felt like how would she know all of this stuff? Right. The movie kind of tried to say that there's a reason she would know all this. I don't know if they made it as clear as they wanted but I, I really I do like what they did with Bruce Greenwood's character because that felt very real. Especially like if you have you know PTSD if you have anxiety, if you have like you know various forms of mental illness that is what your brain tells you all the time. Yeah. So that felt very relatable to me. Right. And I I thought that it was really interesting how they went about doing it, but where I did feel a little like weird about it was when, you know, you mentioned that the uh Girl Scout Carla Gugino seemed really on the ball and it almost seemed like uh like when, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch goes into his like mind palace that he's just yeah. like okay now if i can just like keep out the distractions then i can brilliantly find out everything that that i need and so i just kind of i worked i tried to work through that as quickly as possible because i really liked the movie and i was like okay fine this is just like letting you know that part of her is actively work on working on finding a solution and another part of what's inside of her is distracting her from that by making her feel like this is all her fault and reminding her of past traumas and things like that and i mean ultimately it did end up seeming kind of 
handy, I guess, that something that had happened to her in her childhood ended up being the, you know, being the key to unlocking everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, thematically, I was into it, but like yeah. narratively, it was like, well, it's real handy that all that happened to you in the past so that you could work your way out of this situation that you wouldn't have been in if you didn't have the past that you did and the childhood trauma that you did. All I could think was, is she a nurse? Like, how does she know all of this stuff? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, they they, they really tried. Like, they, I mean, she knew, um, like, she knew why she would end up reacting the way she did when she ultimately cut herself. But yeah, like, there was... There was stuff that I didn't see any reason why she should know either. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought that what they were trying to imply was that she had done a lot of thinking about um, killing herself, so she knew a lot about slitting wrists. But then when it cut to, you know, that shot where she just cuts her hand, it just it felt less connected than it was kind of coming together in my brain. Like I yeah. feel like what it was leading us to think was it made more sense. Well, I think what actually happened. I think it's both. I think it that probably she, is. It has I, to be I both. think she did self harm, or at least mm-hmm. like I. But it was the the fact of like being able to break a glass with her hand, like that right. was that was a separate thing. Where it was like, okay, here's how you get the tools with which to do the thing mm-hmm. that you know later on in your life you eventually did to self harm and and uh, try to deal with the problems that you have without actually talking to anybody about them so i think it was it was both those things at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah i think they just didn't make it as clear as would have been can we talk about the thing that i feel like would have been the easiest thing to cut from stephen king's novel and made the least sense in the movie are we are we ready to discuss the moonlight man uh yes (laughs) (laughs) because i was fine with it when it was in her mind yeah it felt a little silly and much especially when it would cut to his red eyes right he kind of looked like the machine in big oh shit where her his red eyes were like the eclipse right yeah oh, okay yeah yeah all right. it takes but, me a while um, but i get these things <laughs> but when we learn that he's real and then she goes to his his court appearance and like I get it it's the thematic thing where he breaks through of the handcuffs it was very silly yeah he just burst out like hi like he's just just free and it just felt very silly yeah I I really feel yeah I mean by and large I felt like that ending like it would have been totally fine to not have that ending but there are also two moments that we couldn't have had if they didn't happen. Uh, now, granted, it took like a really long time to get there because, mm-hmm. you know, after she's fine, you know, after after she escapes, then you have like a good few solid minutes of her narrating what her life was like and really writing the letter to her childhood self. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> this is not good movie making. Like, you're just yeah. narrating. Stop it. Um but you did have the the moment where, or the part where she's explaining to her younger self that she has now claimed her trauma mm-hmm. in a way that she uses that to help other people, which I thought was like a huge thing for this character who yeah. has really, I mean, seemingly she's done like nothing professionally that we know about, right? Like, so she's 
she's found a, a purpose, which I thought was extremely cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the, as silly as it was when she was facing down the, the moonlight man or, or <laughs> whatever his name right. ended up being. But as silly as that whole thing was, like when she looks him dead in the eye and he, in her mind, I guess, you know, takes on the form of him and then her past two abusers in her life. And she just says, Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? You're, uh, you're not as big as I remember. Yeah. You're smaller than I, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then she like drops the mic and walks out of the courtroom. Right. Yeah. Carla Gugino's across the city, which I thought was like. (laughs) A really cool closing shot and a closing was, moment yeah and like you couldn't have that unless you did the work of doing all the rest mm-hmm. of it and i certainly wouldn't have wanted it to be an extra like 25 minutes of seeing her go and you know become this person who she was so yeah it's just kind of like an, an awkward chunk that i let off the hook for those mm-hmm. couple of reasons rather yeah. than it being like why did you ruin this otherwise great movie yeah it, i mean it wasn't it wasn't movie ruining by any stretch. It would have been nice if it wasn't someone with a um, a physical disability. It felt yeah. Re- it felt weirdly ableist. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. It was really dehumanizing. Yeah. Right. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. And um, that was that was Lurch, right? That was Lurch. From it the was. Family yes. movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's nice to see him still working though. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting work and everything. But yeah, that was. Yeah, that was it was a lot, and it, <laughs> and the, the movie had a lot um, to it, like to the point where at the end when she is she's you know finally free, I thought that the people in the house that came out and found her were going to shoot her, or that at the end like walking out <laughs> of the court, she was just going to get hit by a car. Like I was just waiting for more horrible things to happen <laughs> to this poor woman. Right, <laughs> like she's not going to get let off the hook. There was a moment where I was just like so depressed. It was before you know she got discovered and everything. It was when she was uh, uh when she crashed the car. Uh huh. Or it was right before she crashed the car and like um when she was losing all of her blood, like and... fading in and out while driving. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was that uh you know what she kept seeing was the eclipse and was that mm-hmm. whole scene. And I was like, is this poor woman's like last thought on this earth that is like living in this world that represents all of her childhood trauma and then wham she hits a tree yeah. so it's just like please god like have have something go right for her so in all of the unexpected things about this film nothing could have possibly prepared me for the actual moment where she cuts her wrist i oh, yeah did not know how because i don't i don't like watching um like skin be sliced like that's a big thing i have um where i always kind of watch that through my fingers oh sucks to be you for this then yeah really well and then but then when it happened i was like okay she she cut her hand we're good and it was i did not expect that we would just watch her hand literally like fold off of the bone i was like holy shit i've never seen anything that intense that yeah, crazy. it was so unexpected. And I was reading an interview with her, um, with Carla Gugino talking about this, and they kept calling it the degloving scene. It and is like, very degloving. Please stop calling yeah. degloving. Ugh. Um, but yeah, it was so incredibly graphic. But I mean, it's super effective too, yeah. right? I mean, like you're so repulsed by it, but it's also, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not unlike uh, what is it like a what's the image that we always have like a coyote who like gnaws off its own leg to get out of a right, bear trap yeah. like it's it's the exact same thing and i mean at first when 
uh, you know, when her past self was like, well, you know how slippery blood can get. And I was like, okay, she's going to like cut her hand or she's going to cut her wrist and that's going to mm-hmm. provide enough lubrication to get out of here. And then nope. it just kept going. Then I saw bones and muscle yeah. and I just like, I, yeah, I'm not easily upset by that sort of thing. But there like, was a great deal of sinew in this movie. This was <laughs> a was. sinewy movie. <laughs> Uh, I felt like my wife tucked her head around the corner and like checked on me because of, I guess the sounds that I was making when the when the degloving sound or, uh, scene happened. It was so upsetting. Like I was, this movie is so tense. Like I was just tense the whole movie. Like to where like I got a headache by the end of it because my shoulders <laughs> were just so tense. But I, so like I was, you know, just this like locked the whole time. Like my muscles were just locked in place until that moment. And I could feel my face just contort like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like, I just did not know that was going to happen. Yeah. It was it's, it's in so like, in like a, in like not, not a real horror movie, but like in a, you know, a gory horror movie, I expect to see stuff like that. And so I just, I did not see it coming in this move. This otherwise, I mean, like, there was a lot of implied gore. not Because you don't really see the dog eating him. Right. It's more, it's more off screen. But so in an otherwise gore-free movie, that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, it also, like, it made you respect the character that she was mm-hmm. willing to do this to herself to, to escape. And, ugh. Scouting gone horribly, horribly yeah. wrong, I suppose. <laughs> she really is the world's best Girl Scout. Like, she is, she should, she deserves all the badges. Right. Um, I guess Carla Gugino was saying, too, that uh, filming that scene was, like, 70% acting and 30% was, like, actual pain because they had to put on the uh, the, the handcuffs tight enough to not make it look like a prosthetic hand. Mm-hmm. So she was actually just, like, really, you know, doing damage to her own hand to make that ah. scene happen. Yeah, that hurt. This whole, movie, <laughs> this, whole movie, this whole movie hurt. Like, it just hurt a lot. It hurt in my soul. It hurt my hands. It hurt yeah. my shoulders. Um. There was one little thing that it was this little detail that I loved um, just because like so much of her uh, so much of her trauma, so much of her suffering, so much of her experience in this movie is uh, what you would typically code as feminine. You know, she's Mm -hmm. uh, she's preyed on by men and everything. And then as soon as she gets her hand out, she has this like industrial little industrious little moment where she's like, I know what can stop this bleeding. And she starts wrapping pads around like that. And that was so perfect i loved it right it was just yeah yeah because no guy in a horror movie is gonna you know get shot and then be like oh god where can i find sanitary napkins right like she's it's just it was a very specific like moment of i know exactly what i can use to stop all of this blood so i think that we've danced around it a bit (laughs) um but one of the really unexpected things that i I mean, I was expecting maybe some body horror stuff. You know, what was this woman going to have to do to get out? I was not expecting the bulk of this movie to be about a woman revisiting the childhood sexual abuse. Yeah, I did not. I did not know that that was part of this. And, you know, this movie is, I mean... Mike Flanagan directed it, so it's, you know, directed by a man, and he, in interviews, talked about how, um, you know, he couldn't, he, he just couldn't direct this with, you know, the way that a woman would, but um, I think he did a really great job, but it was a very, the way it was done, because she can convince herself that what he did to her 
could have been worse or that he didn't touch her or like there were just so many little things that that we tell ourselves you know well what I went through wasn't that bad or you know maybe it was my fault and it would just it felt very horrible and also relatable which makes it more horrible almost right yeah I wanted to ask you how as not that you speak on behalf of all women but I mean I was looking at this and I was like to me this seems like something that's very it felt real it felt like uh you know like a representation of everything that I've heard about what it's like to be gaslit and to internalize all of your guilt and everything and I was like oh I wonder like who was involved in making this and it was based on a story by Stephen King written by Mike Flanagan directed by Mike Flanagan along with a male co-writer so I was just I, I was really curious you know your take on how well it reflected that without actually having too many or any aside from Carla Gugino's performance or not even her performance because it was it was the the little girl mm-hmm. You know, without having any like female authorial voices involved in the creation of it. And I mean, and I don't have that kind of, I mean, that kind of childhood trauma where I, so I can't necessarily speak to how um, realistic it was in that. Like that specifically, yeah. Right. But it felt like that betrayal, that kind of sickening betrayal, that came through to me. Like you can just feel it happened like that heart dropping moment where because I think a lot of people have felt that where you have this complete trust in a person and then you realize almost in a moment too late what is happening and that that trust has been broken and that just that felt so real and then after I mean I've seen in movies and tv shows they've done that that thing where um you're watching someone be gaslit and you know watching them say like you know well we don't want to tell anyone i'd never seen it before where he was he was trying to make it her idea almost and that was so specific and that felt so realistic it's i've always seen it done the other way that that feels less real and this it was done so evilly masterfully i mean yeah because he's he's conditioning her and training Mm -hmm. her to in this in this really horrible way that i mean not only not only because it's just one person preying on another but also because one of them is an adult and the other one is a child and then also the fact that one of them is supposed to be a parent like one of them is supposed to be a primary Mm -hmm. caregiver to this person and not only like destroying the trust that that child has in him but also at the exact same time like uh, destroying whatever support system she could possibly have in dealing with this trauma by making the mother seem like, you know, I'm sure that, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that your mom won't be mad, but, you know, we should tell her um, because I think she'll probably get over it and maybe she won't blame you. Like, it's just... Yeah, to the point where she's thanking him yeah, at she's, the end. It yeah, just, she, that was just brutal. Yeah, she's begging him not to tell and you just, you hate this guy so much. But this also, I want to be careful to not say anything stupid in how I say this. Right. But you don't get the feeling that he's necessarily done anything like this before because this is like a primary traumatic event for mm-hmm. her. Um, but the, but they do a good job of making it clear that she's been, he's almost tr- conditioned and trained her for this. 
she's already been isolated from the mom. She's she's a daddy's girl. They spend a lot of time together. Right. To where... Yeah, he seems really excited that she's a woman now. Like, he's yeah. been watching for a while until he felt like he could justify it to himself. Um, even, what, if it, even if it hadn't taken a turn for the physical before, he'd done the work of making sure that he was her primary person, that he was who she trusted most. So he'd groomed her. Grooming is the word I was looking for. Yeah. I don't know if he'd always kind of, like, had those impulses or if it was something that was more spontaneous and i don't mm-hmm. ultimately i don't think that it matters because what happened happened and like right. there's no there's no erasing that trauma uh for her but you know if he if it was kind of a, a spur of the moment thing and they just were a close father and daughter then i think that almost makes it more disturbing because of how mm-hmm. quickly he was able to like flash groom her and turn her <laughs> against her mother and just do all of that so so quickly and how like how like how he just he knew he just like knew instinctively how to prey on somebody right which i mean the movie seems to suggest is almost an inherently masculine trait like i don't think it quite gets to the point of like boy all men are gross it's just Mm -hmm. but it also i mean they make the connection between the dad and bruce greenwood where they have you know very similar that similar dynamic that's why she kind of was drawn to bruce greenwood um but they both have these very clear moments of that very palpable feeling when someone that you trust turns on you yeah and i think that is such a common relatable feeling for a lot of people like i i've had those experiences and yes mine are very different than is in the movie but i had that same that brought me back to those moments of just like utter betrayal where it's you just your stomach turns and they they did a great job with it in this movie right and i I mean they do very briefly suggest that you know maybe it is maybe not even just all men but everybody because the uh the bruce greenwood shaped internal dialogue Mm -hmm. uh for jess you know he maybe he is just talking about men I don't I don't remember Uh, maybe you can maybe you can help me out but he's talking about how everybody has kind of a dark corner that is there even if you haven't peeked into it yet Mm -hmm. but yeah I think he's talking about everybody yeah but it feels very manly (laughs) right well and the other uh, god I mean the other thing that you hear that's such a common narrative as well is uh for Jess as a child and then as an adult dealing with Bruce Greenwood them both really feeling like it's so much more important to make sure that men don't feel uncomfortable than it is for you to look after yourself and to feel safe because I mean uh mouse which you know Jess's childhood nickname you know she gets told like oh no like daddy's just being silly wanting you to sit up on his lap like oh no it's just a silly old thing that you're silly old man Mm -hmm. and just like really projecting that like I'm gonna feel like an idiot if you don't do this and then she You know, so that it so that she comes up with the idea that she's gonna do it and she's gonna take care of him and make him not feel silly. And then, you know, like we already mentioned, Bruce Greenwood really makes it all about how embarrassed he is that this thing that he wanted to try out, she's not into and it's her fault and And that's I mean, I you know, for this movie being made largely by men, that felt like such a specific thing that I don't know that I've seen very many movies attempt before. 
that it's just so much more subtle and insidious the the specific act of gaslighting to where something is your idea and you feel guilty for it but in a roundabout way i've just i've never seen a movie do that before and it just it felt like I know that uh, Mike Flanagan talked about, you know, Carla really having a lot of say into shaping that. So I don't know at what point, you know, how much of that comes from her or if this is just based on, you know, experiences of women they they know or maybe their own. But it just felt like such a specific thing that a lot of people, let alone men, wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. (laughs) But boy, was boy, was it fucking tough to get through heavy-ass movie yeah because i i thought when bruce greenwood dropped the name mouse when or when you know fantasy bruce greenwood dropped the name mouse uh that that was just that you were just supposed to hang on that and you're supposed to be like you're just supposed to know everything in that moment Mm -hmm. and then when they showed them on the dock and like i've never i can't think of any other sexual assault on a child that i've seen play out that much and then I also yeah. had to deal with the fact that, like, at first I didn't know what was happening. Like, I thought that he was raping her um, just because of the way they frame it. You know, you see him grunting. You see her be uncomfortable. Right. Um, and it's not until later. It, yeah, it took me a minute yeah, and to it's realize t- what was happening. Yeah, it's when she's talking to when, you know, we're back in the present and uh, Carlo Gugino is talking to Bruce Greenwood and saying, well, it's not like he raped me. And I was like, well, what actually happened? And you find out. And then I felt... And this is what I'm trying to like, you know, hold myself accountable for. I felt relieved for a second. I was like, okay, well, he didn't. And then I was like, no, that's that's super fucked up. Like, this isn't something yeah. that we need to measure in degrees, right? Like, this is something that we can just say it's evil, no matter what form it took. So let's not let anybody off the hook for a second. And that too is so, you know, important to the whole Me Too times up discussion because there has been so much of that. Where it's like, well, what happened to this person isn't as bad as what happened to this person. And what this person did is is no big deal, really. It's normal. And these are things that we tell ourselves that, well, what I went through isn't as bad as what this person went through. So really, I'm pretty lucky. So it's basically like nothing happened to me. These are the things you convince yourself. And I think it was important that it was that specific act where you you could see how she would convince herself and you know further just have it eat away at her over the years to just you know not only blame herself but convince herself that what she went through wasn't that big a deal yeah but i mean even like no matter what had happened i could see that that being the case you know oh yeah definitely it's it's all just super fucked up but i'm glad that we're able to talk about it i guess like yeah um yeah. Yeah. I. I. When it was over, I really wanted to like kind of just lay down. <laughs> I right. just. I just needed a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. I. I don't want to say too much about you know my. Uh, my personal life, just because there are other people involved in it who wouldn't want me saying too much. But. Right after, actually, you know, partway through this movie, uh, my wife walked through the room, and so I paused the movie, and I was like, "We just like let's stop." this movie for a moment because i'm dealing with a lot watching it right and i just like had a checklist of things that i was like okay let's like you know behaviors of the couple that was in this movie and this is before they got into like childhood trauma and everything it was just okay like let's put this on the table like i want to make sure that like none of my behaviors are doing x y and z that you never feel like this um 
And so like, I felt like I got something almost educational from it, even if it was just like a check-in to make sure that, that nothing I was doing seemed inherently toxic mm-hmm. to her. Um, because like there were moments where I found that I was probably more sympathetic to the male characters in this than I wanted to be. Not, I'm not saying in their like predatory ways, but I mean, I have had times in the past where I felt like sex was owed to me because of Mm -hmm. being nice to somebody in a relationship or just that being part of a relationship or, or whatever the case may be. And realizing that like, you know, this is the the reckoning that I hope that every <laughs> man is going through, that you can't just be like, oh, yeah, that's a problem that's happening over there. You really need to look at these behaviors inside of yourself and decide for yourself or with a partner, you know, like what what is acceptable? What are you going to allow to be part of your relationship and really be honest about it and not just kind of let it fester in a dark corner like Bruce Greenwood was talking about? where it just kind of comes out in little spurts of you being a shithole, making a joke at a at an office party or sneaking around with, you know, the implied infidelity that right. he's doing. Don't be any man in this movie, basically. But, like, <laughs> yeah. but it's not just, but, it, you know, it's not just, it's all, it's, oh, man, it's a lot. Um, it's easy to say I'm not a monster. Yeah. It's easy to see these people and be like, well, I'm not like that. And it's, we all have that little corner, just like he says. And there's, it's what you do with that corner. And it goes beyond just inherently, easily noticeable monster behavior. Right. Okay, so it seems like there are so many Netflix original movies that are out these days. And it seems really hard for anyone to break through just because they like they come at you so fast there's no real advertising push behind them like like you hear about stranger things all the time when a new season of orange is the new black comes out you hear about it but these netflix original movies unless they have adam sandler in them they just kind of are all of a sudden there and i'm surprised that gerald's game didn't break through more than it has because this came out in what october november yeah, I, I don't think Netflix has figured out how to how to do that yet because Mudbound is the same way. There's no reason that shouldn't have been a way stronger push. Um, I just don't think they've figured out how to make it work with the movies yet. The TV shows, I mean, I think a lot of the work is kind of done for them because they are they're easy content factories basically. Yeah. But they just I don't think they know what they're doing when it comes to the the movies themselves and how mm-hmm. to handle their distribution model versus advertising. Yeah. So why do you think you heard about this one and that it stood out to you? Like, do you have any idea of why it broke through enough to at least end up on your radar? I know I saw the trailer and I, I think I just came across my husband um, has the trailer addict app on his phone and oh, great. he just likes to watch trailers. They just make him happy. And <laughs> this was one of them. And um, as soon as I saw that it was just on Netflix, I was like, oh, I need to add that to my queue and eventually watch it. And I just never got around to it. But I'd heard good things, but I hadn't heard a ton of them. I mean, right. like, I'm adjacent to film Twitter at least. So, you know, I hear more <laughs> about movies than I think certainly the Netflix deserves me to because they right. didn't they don't do a great job of pushing these things right 
Aside from just making them show up at the top of your suggested list. Yeah, they're just there one day. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it was about this one for me either, but it was definitely it ended up on my list and I I'm glad that it did. I'm glad that it did too because I really I really liked it. It was a really good movie. Liked it feels like a weird way to put it. I <laughs> <laughs> It was it was very intense, but it was very well done. Right. It, I don't know that I'm it's not one of those that I think I can watch again. Kind of right. like Requiem for a Dream where it's like, no, I'm good. I've yeah. watched it. Yeah. Seen it once. Yeah. But it was, I think it was great. I really, really, it resonated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up the way that uh, we always do. So, Courtney, I'll invite you to answer two questions. Uh, one of which is whether this movie got a thumbs up or a thumbs down on your own Netflix profile. As well, I'd like to hear if you have an MVP from the movie. So take it away. Definite thumbs up. And in terms of um, MVP, I mean, there's really only two actors in the movie, well, three, um, the dad. But, I mean, Bruce Greenwood and Carla Gugino really both, like, brought it. She particularly, obviously, like, she was phenomenal. I mean, I, I've always liked her, mm-hmm. but she's always kind of flown under the radar. She doesn't get a ton of, like, huge roles. Yeah. And she just was fantastic in this movie. And he was great, too, because I feel like he really got to do what he's good at, which is, like, be kind of a charming asshole. Right. Um, but she was just phenomenal. So I'm going with Carla. All right. Uh, my sentiments are going to match yours exactly. Uh, giving it the old thumbs up. Uh, MVP going to Carla Gugino. Um, yeah, I mean, she absolutely brought it in this way that you've like I've never seen her be a lead in anything before. Like I remember her from Spin City. I remember her from Sin City. Um, I remember her from Frig. What was that TV show with Kevin Bacon? Twin Pines? No, Wayward Pines. Wayward Pines, and it's Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, thank you. I get them confused sometimes too. It's I don't know what it is. Well, that's it's the, the it's the wild things of it. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that. It, it, it was funny in the interview that I read, uh, Carly Gugino was also saying like, it was weird to be in a movie, especially one where she's wearing a slip for almost all of it, that people weren't commenting on her body and being like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. You're hourglass shape. Cause she was like, everybody was just obsessed with how, how amazing Bruce Greenwood looks at age 61 in this movie. Yeah, really. And spending the whole time in his underwear. He was, I mean, let's objectify. Like he looked good. <laughs> he did. He did, yeah. and I. But he also like I didn't feel safe around him, even as a viewer. Like I was worried about what he was gonna do and what he was capable of, pretty much right off the hop. Oh yeah. And I I didn't want that for her. So, I mean, a plus to him and a plus plus to her is mm-hmm. is how I'm saying that. And I get. I mean, I guess in terms of like being really evil and creepy, like. I believe it was Henry Thomas that plays the dad. Good job, but I don't want to give him any. Yeah, yeah I don't ever. I'd like, I feel bad for actors who do roles like this because I'm like, I never want to see you again. I know. Like, you, <laughs> like you like, were too good at this, and I hate you. Yeah, you're going to have to come up. You're going to have to play something super charming or like voice a prince or something to like help me get over this. Um, and also, I mean, I want to give 
I want to give a shout out to Mike Flanagan as well because I didn't realize who directed it while I was watching it but then when I realized it was the same guy who did Hush which is also a I think wildly underrated Netflix Mm -hmm. original horror movie like he seems to be killing it and I haven't seen uh uh what is it the uh Ouija 2 I've but I've heard it's good or was it Oculus Oculus Oculus. yeah that was good yeah I think he did Ouija 2 and also Oculus where with with Ouija, they you know people were like the first one was trash. Why is the second one any good? What's happening here? Is this real life? And it seems like Mike Flanagan's just got his finger on the pulse of horror and and making it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much, Courtney, for doing this. I've had thank a blast talking to you. Is there anything from your variety of channels that you'd like to plug or where where people can follow you to continue the conversation? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Court Enlow, and you can find me at Sci-Fi Fangirls and Pajetiba. All right, terrific. Well, thank you again so very much. Thank you. That's going to be everything for this episode from the Netflix podcast. If you liked what you heard today, head on over to netflix.ca to check out the rest of the Netflix content, like show notes, articles, and reviews. Today's show notes don't have a whole lot of supplemental materials, although Courtney did recently cover something on Pajiba called Let's Get on the Same Page with regard to hashtag MeToo, Shitty Media Men, and Consent, aka Calm the Hell Down Men, uh, which is a good little primer on why a lot of people should really just shut up so i've got a link off to that Uh, otherwise if you want to follow us and support us we're on facebook as netflix on twitter at netflix pod where you can also find me at dylan clark moore and we're on soundcloud as netflix podcast if you want, you can find me on Letterboxd as Dylan Clark Moore. Which reminds me, that's something else that I should link off to. I like to occasionally compulsively compile all the Rotten Tomatoes, Letterboxd, and IMDb data to rank movies. And so that's what I did with all the Stephen King movies. So I'll link off to that in the show notes as well. Uh, this is not a reflection of my own opinions, but I was curious to see exactly how many bad and how many good Stephen King movies are out there. I'm excited to see that Gerald's Game has cracked the top 10. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can head over to iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, which we're now a part of, uh, and you can give us a rating, a review, or just subscribe so that each new episode comes to you. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can also support us by way of our Patreon campaign. Patreon is a monthly subscription service that allows people to contribute as little as $1 a month to their favorite creative projects, and I hope that this podcast is one of those for you. So if you'd like to give back a little bit, then you can head over to patreon.com and search for Netflix, or you can just hit the support Netflix button at the top of our blog at netflix.ca. This podcast is produced and edited by yours truly, and the theme music was provided by Zach Moore. Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next time for a whole new conversation about a different movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, you ain't streamed nothing yet.